Hi, and welcome to Belated Binge Harry Potter, the re-binge podcast that doesn't take itself or the books too seriously. My name's Zach, and I am your host. I'm the guy that didn't read these books till he was in his mid-20s, and now they became his, if not the, one of the most favorite forms of entertainment, and started talking about it on a podcast. We're going to do something a little bit different with this episode. As I've stated on a previous one, we're going to go topics here for a little bit, and I'm going to go back in kind of the way back machine to when I was first starting this podcast and discuss a couple of the topic ideas that I had that I shared with patrons all the way back then. And I'm going to give kind of my own off-the-cuff revisit to those theories that I had shared. And they have to do with Dumbledore, the night of the Voldemort attack on the Potters, and the magic that Newt was using. Sorry, it took me a second to remember his name. That Newt was using in Fantastic Beasts uh, Crimes of Grindelwald, and it has to do with Grindelwald. So I know that was kind of a clunky intro, but if it piqued your interest in anyway at all stick around and we'll get started on it the belated binge podcast before we get started this podcast will have spoilers this series wrapped up in 2007 just saying that out loud sometimes makes me feel kind of old if you haven't read them by now you're even later than i was shout out to the bonus binge squad alex and katie over on patreon if you would like to get your own shout outs if you'd like to have access to bonus episodes kind of like the ones that i'm going to be referencing in this episode you can check those out there's a link in the show notes for patreon it is patreon.com slash belated binge if you are watching on youtube thank you i hope you're enjoying the videos that i've been posting on there recently where i make fun of the process that must have gone in to uh, been used i guess you could say to make the changes that the movies made from the books uh, it's been a lot of fun putting those videos together i hope that it's been enjoyable for you if you have no idea what i'm talking about and you haven't seen any of those videos one get on social media and actually follow this podcast because I've been posting all of them as reels or shorts or TikToks or whatever, all the vertical stuff that they say to do. And also uh, I've been posting a lot of times long, like longer versions of those fake discussions on YouTube. And you can uh, check those out too. There's a special playlist for them. That's all I'm going to do as far as self-promotion goes on this, uh, I am going off the cuff on this one, as I did in the last episode. So apologies ahead of time for ums and stammers and uh, and all of that nonsense. But I honestly, I intended to do a certain thing when I sat down in this chair. I got my laptop all loaded up. I got my 
face staring at me. I got the glare from the ring light on my glasses. I got um, everything going on, including the air conditioner that I'm trying to drown out with the soundproofing over here and the green screen back here. I'm like tucked in this corner. I'm in my basement and it's very, very hot where I live. So the AC is just going to be running and that just is what it is at this point. Sorry if there's a teeny tiny little hum. Hopefully it'll go away soon, but it is like 93% humidity today, so it may not stop ever. It's just going to keep running. Can't wait for that bill. Anyways, adulting. So basically here's what happened. My daughter, who does not take naps like ever anymore and is just a, a, a wild... Uh, machine when it comes to fighting naps just crashed unexpectedly into a nap and I was going to come down here and bust out an episode for you real quick and I had this other idea long story short when I sat down and I started to do that idea it all crashed and burned and it did not work out the way that I intended for this episode. So now I'm going with a completely different idea. And what I've done is I've pulled out my phone. I've opened up the Patreon app on my phone and I've scrolled all the way to the bottom. I'm talking back to January 4th of 2022, where I posted three episodes on Patreon. I posted the head wizard on the cobble street which was the opening chapter chapter one of sorcerer's stone philosopher's stone of the chapter review you know um podcast literally the the opening chapter of this podcast in its existence Uh, and i also posted two bonus theories as well on that day one was called all the hookah smoke And one was called, How Did He Know? And I just wanted to talk a little bit about those theories because I remember them and I don't have notes pulled up on these or anything. I'm just, like I said, I kind of thought it would be fun to do a little topic going back to those theories. um, What I, I, I won't remember exactly what I said on those episodes back in January of 2022, but if you're a patron and you haven't gone all the way back that far, go ahead and uh, go in the Wayback Machine and see how much of this sticks uh, stands up. And if you're new and you want to know what the heck I'm talking about, like I said, it's on Patreon. But I, there may even be a way to kind of tie these two together a little bit. We'll see. But here's what, uh, here's what I thought I would do. I thought I would revisit those theories that I had back then and just, um, and just talk through my thoughts on them as it stands right now. And so Uh, All the hookah smoke was a theory that I had. It was in regards to, uh, and this was, this was coming off the heels of um, Crimes of Grindelwald coming out, the movie. You remember, remember that movie? Like probably six of you at this point, because those movies were canceled uh, due in large part to that movie being an absolute mess. But what I was talking about in that was um, the hookah. <laughs> I guess you could say the hookah. Do you remember the hookah? It was like a really important object, I think, to Grindelwald for like three scenes in that movie, and we never saw it again because then he started seeing the future in the baby deer's blood. 
but this this hookah was the way that Grindelwald was um see like seeing the the inevitable future that was to come and he was talking about another war world war and and all kinds of stuff it had Jacob really freaked out and it seemed like that object was going to play kind of a big role in the series and what jumped into my head was this theory that I had um of how that object came to be and so on that bonus episode what I remember doing is laying kind of the groundwork of the relationship between Dumbledore and Grindelwald a little bit. Everybody that's listening to this knows this uh, knows this backstory pretty well. Um, I've probably made my thoughts and feelings on the backstory pretty well known as well, um, but I will give you the the ten second version of it here. That's going to go way longer than ten seconds because I ramble, which is why I have a podcast, and this is my podcast. So rambling is welcome. I decided. So my two cents on that relationship is that um, one, without going too deep, I think that the movie of um, the third movie, Secrets of Dumbledore, was kind of a bit of a retcon about their relationship. Um, I think that they went way further into the this was mutual love scenario than what I think was likely um, at least as the way that I in, interpreted that uh, relationship in, from one, the original source material of the books, uh, as well as um, the comments that came out by the author later saying that Dumbledore was gay and that um, that was part of that relationship. The The thing that was said that always stuck with me and I thought, made a lot of sense is that Grindelwald never actually felt the feelings toward Dumbledore that Dumbledore felt towards Grindelwald. He used those feelings to manipulate Dumbledore in order to um, kind of get him to, I don't want to say go along because I don't think that, it, I don't think that Dumbledore was just flat out going along with Grindelwald and he's like absolved of all the, um, all the Deathly Hallows and their plans and, um, how they're going to bring wizards out of hiding and all that, that stuff. I don't think that Dumbledore was an innocent bystander, just like blinded by love and uh, a total follower on that. However, I do think that there were probably aspects of it that did not sit well with Dumbledore, but he made, um, made, I guess like, um, made, uh, the word the word that keeps coming to mind is is concessions which might be the proper use of it i don't know somebody call an english teacher but that's what i'm that's what i'm going with i think he probably uh, went let things go a little bit further in certain ways that he wasn't comfortable with but because he was so into grindelwald um in their the budding relationship that they have and i say budding relationship because the thing lasted like it was like a month or like two months. I can't remember the direct quote, but it was literally like I, for sake of extending it, it was two months that these two were together. And that's why I think that the Secrets of Dumbledore movie was taking it, I think, a little bit too far um, of like the impact. 
however many, like 50 years later or whatever it was by the time that movie was going on, if they were really like, if it was like a two month fling, then these two were not so desperately deeply in love with each other to have what we saw play out in Secrets of Dumbledore, in my opinion. It's just my opinion. You probably have a different one and that's fine. Um, start a podcast and tell us all about it. I, I just, I didn't buy the, um, I didn't buy that part. But what I do buy is that they had a very intense relationship during those two months. And that's where this all the hookah smoke theory takes place. See how, see how we come all the way around there in a lot more than 10 seconds. But here was the theory in a nutshell. So Dumbledore and Grindelwald were plotting their um, way, their path or their quest for the Deathly Hallows and the intention upon uniting the Deathly Hallows was that they would become all-powerful masters of death and they were going to bring the wizards out of hiding to become the, uh, I guess, the uh, a, um, a dominant force over the muggles or the ruling force over the muggles, however you want to look at that. Um, they were also 16 and 17 years old, respectively, which makes them... Children in our minds, um, one of them just above the, the legal age, he could probably, I, I'd say buy a pack of smokes, but like, that's not really the thing anymore. Could he get a vape? I don't know. Anyways, um, the, uh, the theory was that one of the things that we know about Grindelwald in his backstory is that Grindelwald is actually a seer meaning he can see things that happen in the future. And that's why, uh, supposedly why Secrets of Dumbledore was so confusing, because they were trying to confuse him with multiple different futures, uh, I guess. But the, the theory of all the hookah smoke was that if we remember the only other seer that we see, how many times can I say see in the same sentence, is Trelawney from the book series and if you don't count uh jack's teller with hooves aka forenzi aka forens aka um that one time that he was there in the classroom talking about uh teaching divination and how humans are so small-minded and all of that centaurs are a uh, bigger picture so i'm not counting him because we see that they see in different ways than we would see if we were seers and had seeing ability at this point i'm just being um being silly so centaurs read the stars and the planets and it's a bit more long long term um what we saw from trelawney is that she falls into a complete trans and starts just word vomiting the things that are coming in the future, the prophecies, if you will. I will, because that's what they call them in the book series. Um, the thing about it is she has no idea that she's done it. And so if we take that as our source of truth, as our uh, explanation for how premonition works in this wizarding world, Grindelwald might have the ability to see the future, 
but he doesn't know what he saw when he's done seeing it, perhaps. And that's what the theory was built upon. My theory was that they, the, the Dumbledore-Grindelwald duo thought that his ability to see the future would be a highly useful gift and skill when it uh, came to their you know, goals and, and path towards becoming masters of death and, and, um, and taking over the world, basically. Taking over the world! Ah! Um, so what Dumbledore did is take his uncanny ability to make very powerful, unique, one-of-a-kind magical objects and put that into motion here. Um, because if you recall, we also have a precedent for Dumbledore being that kind of inventor with the Deluminator, which not only turns on and turns off lights, but it also apparently is a huge, huge plot convenience in shape of a lighter. It's fantastic. I'm going to try to make sure that that's the last of my smoking references on this episode. So um, my, my theory was that Dumbledore actually created the hookah object that Grindelwald was using in the Crimes of Grindelwald movie to show and project his visions of the future, not only for like the crowd when he was doing it in that way, I think that was a, a development of his uh, use of that object over many years. I think its original intention was just to record the premonition so that not only they had a record of it um, outside of Dumbledore's memory, which yes, could also, this could also be uh, uh, potentially, um, sorry, uh, done, I guess, uh, conceivable in a pensive with Dumbledore's memory. However, when you pull a memory out of your head and put it in the pen, it's gone. It's out of your head. I think the two of them would have wanted Dumbledore to very much keep it in his head, but also have a record of that premonition happening so that Grindelwald could see it and the two of them could see it together and analyze it and strategize around it. At least that was their intention with it. And so Dumbledore helped or just solely did create the hookah object that Grindelwald used to see the future. I don't think that I guess in a nutshell, I don't think that he was using that object to see the future. I think that he had seen the future and he was using the object to record it and project it so that he could watch what he had seen. And by, you know, the time that the movie is taking place, he had developed the ability to essentially project it so that other people could see it as well. So that was my theory on all the hookah smoke way back when. Um, and I thought it was kind of, kind of neat and kind of cool. And it ended up being absolutely, um, meaningless because that object didn't ever come into play again. I think Lita, I don't know if she actually destroyed it. I know she tried, 
when she was killed because she was meaningless to the movies as well. Uh, so we didn't need her. So that was cool. See my bonus episode for how to fix the Fantastic Beast franchise for some of those thoughts. I won't, I won't go down that road anymore. But uh, yeah, let me know what you think about that particular theory. I thought it was interesting. Um, and I had fun with it. I thought there might be a way to tie it into this next one. I haven't really wrapped my head around how to do that yet. But this next theory that I had shared on that same day um, was called, How Did He Know? And what this was is actually a theory, again, on Dumbledore. But it was going back to the blood magic that of Lily's sacrifice for Harry. And um, basically what we know is that Lily sacrificed herself for Harry right in front of his eyes, yet he still wasn't able to see the Thestrals when he showed up to Hogwarts. You won't ever convince me that he shouldn't have. And I actually just recorded an episode over on uh, a, a fellow podcaster's um, podcast about that particular topic. Uh, I don't think that it has released yet, but as soon as it does, I will let you know. That was the Dusty Cauldron podcast that I went on. That's the second time I've been on over there, and it was a great time. We had fun talking about Thestrals and how Harry should have seen him the whole time. And we agreed on that, which I was surprised. I thought maybe I was going to have to argue that point, but I didn't. Uh, we just got to, got to talk, but we really did get to nerd out about it, uh, and that was pretty cool. So check that out as soon as it drops on Dusty Cauldron. So um, anyways, <laughs> uh, Lily sacrificed herself in front of Harry. That was what allowed for the blood magic to keep Harry protected from Voldemort for like the rest of his life, essentially, um, and was a, a big you know, kind of huge thing for the plot of the books. Obviously, we all know this. Um, but the thing that I am honing in on here a little bit is that it didn't just happen. She didn't just throw her arms out, take the killing curse, and then some, like, magic dust go up into the air and fall over Harry's body. That's not what happened. Um, I mean, to a certain extent it did. It happened in that moment where that sacrifice protected him but then it's also like in the in that uh first chapter of the entire series that Dumbledore had to actually place a charm over the Dursley's house on Privet Drive and so my theory with that um and what I talked about in in this um in this bonus theory that I did is that the that charm essentially doesn't have a, uh, it, it essentially has a, has a shelf life. I theorized that it worked like in that moment, but it wasn't going to last. But Dumbledore knowing how it went down and being, you know, one of the, whatever the, the founders of uses of dragon's blood and stuff like that. He just, he has a, he, he, uh, he understands blood magic and ancient magic to a degree that most um, magical people don't in this world. And so I think that he recognized 
the opportunity and knew of a way to elongate that and make that a lasting protection as opposed to just in that moment over the baby. Um, and so I think that's what those charms were about on like the Dursley's house. And, um, and I think that it was kind of in, uh, I think that was a big part of, you know, like I said, the, the, the thing that's kind of hovering over this entire series. But what I was wondering about in that theory episode was how did he know? I know that I literally said that that's what the name of the theory is, but like, how did Dumbledore know? How did Dumbledore know how Lily died? I mean, he could have guessed. James is dead. Lily's dead. Harry's not dead. Voldemort's gone. Not dead. But, like, and, like, the rumors had already spread within a day that the Potters were dead and Harry survived. And Voldemort's gone. How? How does anybody know? How does that rumor happen? It's an infant child in a crib alone with dead parents in like a half-exploded house. How does anybody know what happened and what went down? How? Somebody tell me how. Well, nobody can really tell you how because it's not stated in the canon exactly how that went down. So I made a theory and I thought about it. And I started talking about it. And here's what I came up with. I remember, uh, I remember suggesting in the theory episode, I don't know how much of this I still subscribe to, um, but I like the way that it came through. So um, I think that, and, and I'll, I'll just say, this is the part of the, of the theory that was more just kind of like fun to throw out there as like an explanation of uh, how it happened so uh, quickly or whatever. Um, but this is the part that I, this is the part that I could be, you know, could, this is, this is the flimsiest part of the theory is that um, I know Peter Pettigrew was the secret keeper for the Potters. However, we know that Dumbledore is kind of like the master of the Fidelius charm, right? Like that it's kind of his, it's kind of his thing. Uh, and I don't think that Dumbledore would have just stood by and allowed the Potters to be protected by a Fidelius charm that he wasn't involved with. So what I theorized is that while they named Peter the secret keeper, Dumbledore actually placed the Fidelius charm over their home. And so what I theorized in that is that there was a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a um, pick your, pick your home security company to sponsor this episode. And I'll insert their name here. Uh, that's a joke. Nobody's sponsoring this podcast. Uh, the, but the idea was that once that Fidelius charm had been broken, Dumbledore was alerted in some way because he placed it. So there was something about it that allowed him to know that it had been broken. Uh, and so he was able to actually apparate to the scene immediately, uh, or essentially immediately after the uh, events took place in the Potter's home. And what I believed that he did from there 
is uh, the what I I believe I refer to as the ESPN instant replay magic. <laughs> um, and so let me uh, it, to to see what happened, and let me tie that let me tie that thread here real quick. So we see in Fantastic Beasts: Crimes of Grindelwald again both of these theories that this was around that that time uh, that I watched that movie that I was recording these episodes back for Patreon. So Patreon. So I was uh, these these were a little bit fresh in my head as I was reading the first chapter of the Harry Potter series and really thinking about Dumbledore. So it all kind of um, it all kind of fell out of me. So we see in Crimes of Grindelwald, Newt using that weird, like ESPN instant replay magic when he's trying to follow Tina and they're in, um, where were they? Was it when they were in Paris? I think. Um, but he, he's essentially, he's like listening to the ground or whatever. And he like, and like blows the dirt all up in the air. And then it literally replays what took place for him he literally got to watch the scene of tina like walking through that area uh it's like a it, it was kind of it was kind of a cool concept for magic and at that time i theorized that it wasn't the first time we'd seen it it was the first time we'd seen it in that way but it wasn't the first time we'd seen it the first time we have seen it is when harry and dumbledore go to Voldemort's cave where the locket Horcrux is hidden and it's like Dumbledore's swan song chapter. He, what he's doing is he is essentially reading the room. He's reading the cave um, with uh, wordless magic and he's talking about like magic leaves traces and da 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 and he's in, essentially, he's not... It, I don't even think he's using a wand for it necessarily um, in that scene, but he's basically figuring out like uh, taking like signals and whatever and figuring out what they need to do. And I think that it's that same magic. And what I theorized was that because Harry and Dumbledore were coming there many, many years after that uh, like um, cave was created as a horcrux hiding place in many many years after you know tom riddle took the children there and many many years after regulus um had gone there again with um with creature like so many years had take had passed between harry and dumbledore going there now that the image like the the scene wasn't clear it had kind of it had all sort of like faded and become very muddy and not really like visual but just there were just like traces of those things that Dumbledore was able to pick up on using the same kind of magic but it had been so long it wasn't like a clear scene to watch uh like it was for uh for Newt when he was using it in Crimes of Grindelwald it was literally the very next day of something that took place the night before so while it was while so it was more like it was more vivid uh and it was more visual and he was able to see a much clearer vision of what it was so that was my theory that those two things went together uh and that that is actually how dumbledore knew what happened at the potters he was there immediately 
after the murders had taken place and after um the he was like alerted magically somehow of the fidelius charm being broken uh and i i believe so like doesn't that i'm pretty sure it's canon that the fidelius charm broke when the killing curse rebounded and it kind of like blew out the side of the house it was no longer a secret anymore it just kind of like uh i think that's how it worked because the fidelius charm wasn't necessarily broken when voldemort was there because he had the secret the fidelius charm doesn't break when the secret is shared but anyways um so that's i think that's the theory the the explosion broke the fidelius charm um and dumbledore was alerted he apparated there right away saw that the potters were dead saw that harry was there you know by himself in the crib probably screaming because he's a you know one-year-old and he used this espn instant replay magic to see what had happened and it was that moment he realized that lily had activated that ancient magic uh, of her blood over uh, for harry with that sacrifice and it was in that moment he realized i need to make sure that this uh magic elongates if you will uh and lasts for this child and so that's when he started to put the wheels in motion for where we pick up in chapter one of this entire series he calls hagrid has hagrid come get harry he takes the um you know, takes the information that he needs or whatever, and he goes to start prepping the charms for the uh, for Privet Drive for the Dursleys. He's gone before Sirius Black shows up, so they never actually cross paths. Um, and so there's no, so he he has that like he has that unfortunate like quote unquote plausible deniability of like not knowing that Sirius wasn't the secret keeper and and not being privy to that until prisoner of azkaban uh he's already gone when sirius shows up because at that point haggard is taking baby harry out of the home they kind of like meet outside and haggard gets the motorbike dumbledore's off uh setting protections over private drive haggard is you know he's got baby harry he's going to take care of him until dumbledore gives him whatever the signal to bring him because the charms aren't placed and ready yet. He just keep the kids safe and Sirius is off to try to find Pettigrew and murder him and things go really, really wrong for Sirius. But that was my theory on uh, how, how Dumbledore knew to activate that, uh, that blood magic and how it kind of like ties all that together through crimes of Grindelwald uh, in an interesting way. We've got, we've got like, future premonition via hookah smoke that from an object that Dumbledore created and we've got um you know past uh past events visible through this instant replay magic that Dumbledore uh I believe taught Newt how to do uh that Newt does in Crimes of Grindelwald and and that's how um that's how Dumbledore knew to activate that ancient blood protective magic from Lily sacrificing herself uh, for Harry. So um, yeah, those are just a couple of theories I had. That's how they um, kind of shake out how I uh, how I still 
I and honestly, I still kind of I still kind of hold them, you know, um, until and I welcome you to try uh, uh, until somebody can give me better explanations or um, uh, has any interest in discussing the topic with me further. <laughs> uh, that's that's my head cannon, and I'm sticking to it. So, thanks for hanging out for this uh, for this topic of the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, check out those other videos that I've been posting. They um, they're really fun to make and, um, and, uh, I hope that you're enjoying them. I truly kind of hope they like take off kind of into their own little, um, into their own little content space here. Uh, cause I think they are pretty unique in what we, in the Harry Potter, uh, creative community. Um, there's lots of people that are doing this right now, talking into a microphone with a podcast about Harry Potter. Um, I don't think anybody's doing those videos quite like that. And, um, I hope that, you enjoy it and it's uh and it's worth your time if you are listening on the podcast apps thank you uh make sure you follow and uh go ahead and leave a rating and review for the podcast say something nice so that more people can find it yeah that's that's what i got so um social media all that stuff belatedbinge.com is the website if you want to find all of those things and uh yeah until next time I can't remember how I'm supposed to sign off of these because I didn't script out like notes or anything for this episode. So I'm just going to say thanks for being awesome.